and today I want to look at a sermon I want to talk to you about not just seeing what he sees, but I want to talk to you about seeing what no one else can see. Seeing what no one else can see. Think about this for just a moment. Now, I know that uh, you ladies have the ability to see what guys can't see. And uh, it's a special gift God's given you. And, uh, but every time there's a blank canvas that appears, before the first brushstroke ever touches it with the artist's hand, he sees, she sees what no one else can see. They catch a vision. And they began to see it coming into reality. Before the sculptor ever chisels away at a rock, he sees the image in the rock. Before they ever chip away on ice to make ice art or crank up their chainsaws, to carve into a block of wood, the artist sees it. And it's been there the whole time. He can see what no one else sees. And because he has the ability, she has the ability to see what no one else sees. They can take a block of wood, a block of ice, a, a, a rock, a blank canvas, and turn it into a masterpiece. When no one else could see it. One of my favorite pictures as a visionary is the picture of Walt Disney with a silhouette of the castle, Cinderella's castle in the background. Construction debris all around the marsh of Orlando. And there's a, there's, the only abstract thing in the picture is Walt. Mickey's a little silhouette. Everything, the castle. And it's seeing what no one else could see. And bringing that into existence. And sometimes you have that ability to see what no one else can see. Some of the times it's good things. Sometimes it's bad things. Sometimes it may be a train wreck coming that you can see. That no one else can see and make decisions that cause problems. But I want to talk to you about seeing what no one else could see. Yet everybody seeing the same thing. The passage of Scripture is a familiar passage of Scripture if you've been around the Bible very much. It's found in the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verse 25. I want to read these verses for you and then we'll make a couple of points. At this particular place in the Bible, the story, Jesus has already been suspended between heaven and earth. He is on the cross, and in this passage of Scripture, it says, Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved 
standing there, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to his disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. Thousands of eyes were gazing upon this scene. For some reason, in the corridors of history, executions had a way of drawing a crowd. Regardless whether it was a crucifixion under the Roman Empire, whether it was, uh, or whether it was the guillotine by Nero, whether it was a firing squad, hangings, no matter what they were, no matter where they were, they always had, executions always had the ability to draw a lot of people. On this particular day, it was no different. Thousands of people had made their way to the place called the Skull, which was better known as Golgotha, to the Christian Mount Calvary. Thousands had made their way to this particular place and station at this geographical location for this particular time, and Jesus was seeing what no one else could see, yet everybody was looking at the same thing. One of the reasons he may have been able to see what no one else could see was because of his position. Not only was he elevated above everybody else because he had been lifted from the earth on the cross. It already had the three nails, the two nails in his hands and those in his feet. He'd already been nailed to the cross and so therefore he had an elevated position. Not only was he above the crowd, but he could see what others could not see. But he wasn't the only one seeing this from an elevated position because there was two other guys there with him. They were called the thieves on the cross. They had a parallel position with Jesus. They had the same vantage point. They were at the same place, the same station in life. Then not only were they elevated above everybody else, but it was called the place of the skull. It was one of the highest pinnacles in the city. So that no matter where you were in the city, if you were running late and you couldn't get there for the execution, you could see it. If you were down in the valley, you could look up on that little mountain, you could see it. Now here's the interesting thing. That we almost begin to look at the word of God as something that's just so historical. That you forget, I forget, that we could buy a plane ticket and go to a place called Calvary. I'll never forget when we first, the first semester when we met over at the South Campus there, one of the ladies, it was Easter time and we were going through the resurrection story and, and uh, going through the resurrection eggs and they went around the room and when it got to this one young lady, uh, they were talking about the empty tomb and was talking about how you could go there and one of the girls, it was a little preteen group, young, 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 young 10, 11, 12 year olds and uh, she said, one of them said, Pastor Brad, we want to go there. And I said, well, now, now, baby, I don't, I don't know that we, can, we can't go there. She said, that's no fair. You take the youth everywhere. We want to go there. <laughs> At least she knew you could get there. May not knew she needed an airplane ticket to get there, but she knew she could get there. We're talking about a, a place 
We're talking about a place that's local today to somebody. And on this cross, Jesus was elevated, and he was able to see even higher, to see what no one else could see. And here's the things that he could see. He saw all the thousands of people gathered around him, and as he was looking upon them, out of all that crowd, he looked down, and out of everybody, there was a few women there, and the disciple whom he loved, according to his words. If you're not familiar with the Gospel of John, John had a way of saying that about himself, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Yeah, like he hated all the rest of them. I mean, even Judas he loved. But John had a way of highlighting himself that way. And, but I'll tell you something about John. He was the only one that stuck to the cross. Now, I believe all the other disciples were there, but by this particular time, they had faded off into the crowd. You know what's interesting about that? Have you ever been on a Ferris wheel at the local fair? Elevated high, you can see all over there. And you're like, oh, there's my friend there. Oh, I didn't know those people were here. I'm telling you, as Jesus was lifted up from the cross, he was able to see what the disciples didn't think he could see. As they began to walk away and slip into the crowd, and Peter's standing by the fire there with the little servant girls and denying Jesus Christ and that dynamic, I, I believe that Jesus was able to, to see where they were, to see that they had faded away from the foot of the cross. And boy, don't you know that was louder than words. When he looked down at the cross and the guys that he had been through the valley of adversities with, there was only John, Mary, and Mary, his mother, were the only ones left. I believe when Jesus was on the cross, he gave one of his, he made seven last statements, and they're famous, and this is one of them. And here's what he says Woman, behold your son. As Jesus was hanging there on the cross, he was able to see what no one else was able to see. And he was able to, to identify with his mother. Mother, this is what you've been waiting for. Going back in his life to when he was just a young man. When they had went to a wedding in Canaan. And all of a sudden they ran out of wine. They ran out of the wine and Mary came to Jesus and she said, do something, son. Do something. And he said this statement that is repeated several times in the Gospels. My hour has not yet come. Mom, my hour has not yet come. You want me to put that for you in modern terms? Mom, I wasn't born to make wine. I wasn't born for this. I wasn't born for that. This is not what I came to earth for. Nevertheless, his mother just acted like she didn't hear him and said, just do what he says to do. You remember that? My hour has not yet come. Yeah, 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 yeah. But look at the disciples. Whatever he tells you to do, just do it. So Jesus, loving his mother, told his guys, look, bring me some earthen water vessels and fill them up. And all of a sudden, that water became wine. Wow. 
first public miracle of Jesus. Matter of fact, it completely threw everybody into a tailspin at the ceremony because, matter of fact, the, 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 the guy over it came and he said, I don't understand this. Most people, most people give the good wine first. And then when people get a little tipsy, they start putting the cheap stuff in. Because by that point, they don't even know what kind of, you know, I, I just bring me another glass. But he said, not you. You, you have saved the best for last. Could have been because it was the only wine there touched by the master's hand, I'm just saying. He turned that water into wine, and it just really has messed up people ever since. I mean, he turned that water into wine, and uh, Baptists have been trying to turn wine into water ever since. And it's an interesting dynamic in dialogue. He transformed something that was ordinary into something that was supernatural. Oh my goodness, can I just have a preaching fit on that for a moment? Because we are ordinary. But when we've been touched by Jesus, what may seem as ordinary becomes extraordinary. Becomes extraordinary. Where we see water, Jesus saw wine. Where Mary looked at the cross and saw an end and John saw an end, Jesus did not see the end. He saw the beginning. Where the Romans said, we are the victor. Where Satan said, finally, I have killed the prince of life. That's what Peter said over in Acts chapter 2 when he was preaching. He said, you have crucified the prince of life. Where Satan thought he was the victor, he realized that come Sunday, he was the victim. And they thought it was the end, but God said, it's just the beginning. And from the cross, Jesus saw what no one else could see. And he looked at that mother, that mother who, oh my goodness, when he was just a baby in the manger, the mother knew he was no ordinary baby. She knew what he was up to when the shepherds showed up to worship him. She knew he was not an ordinary baby. When the wise men showed up a few years later bringing gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh and laid it at the feet of Jesus, she knew he was no ordinary baby. But it wasn't because of the gold and it wasn't because of the frankincense and it sure wasn't because of the myrrh. It was because she had a word from God that said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you shall conceive and give birth to my son and she knew that when the whole world saw a baby she saw the Messiah when the whole world saw an infant in a manger she saw a king on the throne and she had been waiting for the moment for him to be crowned and Jesus looked down from the cross at his mom. And he says, Mom, this is what you've been waiting for. Behold your son. Wow. I bet the crown that she imagined never looked like that crown of thorns. I bet the throne that he would sit upon, that she imagined, she never thought it would have been come across. 
I bet when she saw her son being elevated, she never imagined it would have been on a cross. But on the cross, he looked down and he saw what no one else could see. He saw his mother and he said, Mother, it was for this hour that I was born. And then he looked at John and he said, John, behold your mother. I don't know if you've ever been given responsibility to take care of somebody that's uh, not yours, not your family. But if you ever have, it's one of the greatest, hardest tasks you'll probably undertake. I'll never forget there was a, in the church I was pastoring, there was a lady there when I went, she was 92 years old. Specimen of hell. She lets you know it too. I don't take any medicine, don't need any medicine. That rocked on for several years. When she was 94, she came down with cancer. She kept right on soldiering away. Never missing church, always there. No family at all whatsoever. When she turned 96, one day one of the ladies from my church came to me. She said, Pastor, we have a problem. She said she caught herself on fire backing up to the heater in the middle of the winter, caught her gown on fire. And she said, I, I don't know that she can stay by herself anymore. She's become very ill. And I'll never forget, I went there trying to give the pastoral speech and boy, and this is the best thing for you. And she said, i tell you what I'll do. I'll go to that nursing home on one condition. That you're in charge of me. <laughs> what else am I going to do? There's no family. I, I agonized over decisions made with her. Probably more than anything. Because <laughs> the whole time I would just say, but it's, she's not my family. I mean, you got to love church. I mean, every decision I made, there was somebody to say, you know, well, that's the wrong decision, Pastor. I can't believe you did that for her. And from the cross, Jesus looked down and said, John, my mom is now your mom. You think John went there that morning expecting that? Jesus saw something in John. That the other disciples didn't have. It's not really good English, but it's great preaching. Stick to itiveness. He said, if John will stay with me to the very end, then there's nobody better to take care of my mom. Not only do we see what Jesus was looking at in this passage of scripture, just a few things. <coughs> But there was somebody else that was seeing something interesting. Mary. We've already addressed her a little bit. But she looked up on that cross and thought, boy, that's my baby. 
She looked up there and the world saw a criminal. The Jews, uh, leaders of the synagogue, saw their enemy. But she saw a Messiah. You think about that verse where it says, But Mary kept those things and pondered them in her heart. Think she pondered that? When she was running around in Canaan saying, make some wine. When she was running around doing this and doing that and taking care of Jesus. When she was doing all those things. When the world was seeing a baby, she saw the Messiah. When the, when the world was seeing a, a, a toddler, she saw a Messiah. When the world was seeing a teenager in a carpenter shop, she was seeing the Messiah. Because she had a word from God. And now he looks at her from the cross and he says, Mom, can you see me now? This is what I was born for. To be stricken, smitten, bruised, beaten, crucified, and to die. And to die. The whole world saw just another man being executed. Mary saw the prince of life. Don't you know that was louder than words? Looking up at your son. Who was willingly laying down his life for all the world. There's one last thing we see here in this passage of scripture. That's not mentioned. But what did everybody else see that day? There are thousands of people there. There were a lot of people who were there but didn't want to be involved. They just wanted to be a spectator. They just wanted to uh, see it. They wanted to be entertained by it. You say, preacher, are you making that stuff up? No, 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 no. Give me just a minute. <clears throat> On the Via Della Rosa, there was a, the cross became so heavy because of Jesus' physical beatings, he could no longer carry the cross, and he fell and collapsed under the weight of the cross, and there was a man there named Simon the Serene. And one of the soldiers went and grabbed him and said, you carry the cross. He said, no, 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 I'm just here with my boy. We, we just came to town for Passover. I, I'm not going to be involved in this. Well, he was already involved when he decided to gaze upon it. But he could not deny, he could not deny and resist the soldier. And he grabbed him and Simon had to carry that cross the rest of the way. Up the Via Della Rosa, 
There were others that were looking upon it. The other disciples were looking upon it and they were seeing things differently and they would see things that was just so overwhelming that they had to walk away and turn their backs and go the other direction from Jesus and walk away from the cross because it was too much. Now before you get too hard on them, have you seen one of your friends crucified lately? Seeing what other people in that crowd were seeing. There were eyes looking everywhere. And let me ask you this question. What do you see? What do you see, sir? Ma'am, what do you see? What do you see? Are you like the rest of the disciples where you saw it was the end? Or are you like Jesus where you see a new beginning? When you look at the circumstances that are stacking up in your life, whether it's a crisis like some of our family members are walking through right now today, do you see it as, oh my God, He doesn't love me anymore. God doesn't love me. God doesn't care for me. God's taking His eye off of me. If He would allow His only Son to be crucified, what makes us any different to escape hardship and adversity? Somebody told me one time, he said, it seems like the people that walk closest to God struggle the most. Think it not strange, the fiery trials you walk through. Because the refining of your faith will produce perseverance. And will produce treasures that are out of this world. Everybody else saw a criminal. Everybody else saw their enemy. Everybody else saw the end. But Jesus saw a new beginning. Can I ask you a question with your head bowed? How many of you are staring down the barrel of something that feels like the end? Feels like there's no other way? How many of you are dealing with some circumstances? encourage you to stick close to the stop. I know in your mind you may say I've got every right to be justified in walking away or I've got every right to, to go the other way or to cut and run. To cut and run and go the other direction because man people disappointed me. They let me down. This and that. Maybe, just maybe, right where God is in your heart and your life, He's wanting to do something special. Maybe He's trying to position you to the place where 
where he can give you the greatest miracle in the whole world. What is the greatest miracle in the whole world that still drives people crazy? The resurrection. Had there been no death, there could have been no resurrection. Now I want you to know that right where you are, God sees you. The Bible says his eyes on the sparrow. And if he knows every time one falls from the sky, do you think he not knows what you're walking through today? Do you think he not knows that? He doesn't know what that is. God is wanting to move in your heart and your life. Maybe today he's just waiting for you to give yourself away. Maybe he can't give you the next thing because you're too busy holding on to the old thing. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to hearts. Help us to obey what your Holy Spirit is saying.